Welcome to episode 8 of the Humane Story podcast. This podcast is about the difference a single letter can make from having no control over being born as a human to exercising our choice to be humane. If this is your first time listening to this series, pausing this episode and listening to the trailer first will give you more context on the intent and format of each conversation. Here's that story that proves that we humans are creatures of emotion over logic. Why else would a young engineer working at an MNC leave her lucrative job and rough it out in the social impact sector to seek joy that money can't buy? Our change maker in this episode not only found her joy on the service path, she was instrumental in developing the happiness curriculum for millions of children in five states of India. Sucheta Bhatt, CEO of Dream a Dream, shares about the need for instilling life skills in youngsters from vulnerable communities in order for them to thrive tomorrow. A failure story from yesterday that defines the approach in her work today and more. Hi Sucheta, welcome to the Humane Story podcast. Hi Smita, it's great to be here. Great. I am very excited to start this conversation with you and uh, as Simon Sinek suggests, let's start with the why. Why do you do what you do, Sucheta? So I, uh, at Dream a Dream, uh, so there's two reasons, right? One is what Dream a Dream does and what I do. So at Dream a Dream, our belief is that how do we empower young people who come from vulnerable backgrounds especially uh, to thrive in the fast pace of change in the world, especially considering adversities that they face because of their background. So how can we develop the skills in them to be able to thrive? Uh, So that's what Dream a Dream does. Uh, And I do it because it's, uh, I truly believe it's my purpose and it's so aligned to who I want to be, the values that I stand for. Uh, So I've been lucky to find a place and an organization that uh, gives me that sense of satisfaction and the sense of alignment uh, and the sense of uh, challenge. Uh, so that's kind of why I do what I do. Sucheta for us, Dream a Dream and Sucheta Bhatt are synonymous, but it's interesting how you view them both collaboratively as well as uh, individually. Thank you. When did you encounter that pivotal moment in your life, Sucheta, that made you take the leap from being an IT professional to being a volunteer at Dream and Dream? So I was, uh, you know, growing up, my parents were very clear that I should be either a doctor or an engineer. That Those were my options and I chose to be an engineer because I didn't want to be a doctor, not because I wanted to do it. Uh, so the career into the IT sector, that path was almost like a predefined thing. I don't, today in retrospect, it doesn't feel like it was a conscious choice. It was just... Uh, you know, an elimination of everything else. Uh, And when I did that, for the longest time, I thought that would be life and I was also enjoying it. But then it reached a point where it just, it started becoming too much to uh, pretend that it was something I wanted to do, that I was good at it. I think that was especially where the wake-up call happened. Uh, When I realized, uh, because I was not enjoying it, I was not even good at what I was doing. I was in sales, there was just so much travel involved. Um, and the company I was working for, it was called Telelogic, that got bought over by IBM. 
So when I was an IBM and part of such a large, you know, conglomerate, I was like very sure that was not me. There was just no joy left. Um, so that's I was like looking to volunteer as something almost to do something in the weekends. I had never thought it would lead to such a big change. Uh, but I started volunteering. It was a Google search. Dream and Dream came up. Um, that's kind of how my journey started. In even in just discovering that there is a non-profit space. Uh, there is a space where you can work with young people, there is life skills, there is psychology, all of it I didn't even know about before that. Um, so that's kind of, you know, that it was more my boredom and uh, discontent with what I was doing that made me volunteer, but it's led to a whole different life and I almost feel, you know, I can barely remember who I was and what I was doing Right. So many people, uh, Sujata, I think, uh, realize this lack of purpose when they are in this rut. But uh, it's great that you took a little step towards finding what else is there that you could explore. Yeah, it was a exciting yet scary, nervous yet courageous, uh, you know, all that was happening at the same time. But I'm so glad I did. So, Jita, I'm sure you have many stories in your journey um, last decade that are very uh, close to your heart. But what's that one story from the field that's etched in your memory forever that basically sealed the deal for you in terms of saying that my life is going to be committed to this cause? Uh, yeah, I think... Uh it's, you know, a lot of us have that one story which has changed our life. Mine was when I was volunteering. At that time, I had not even fully thought I would be changing sectors. Uh, and I was a mentor to a young girl uh, who was very shy, very scared. She was struggling with even speaking to me, even making eye contact. Uh, she was worried that she didn't know English. So, you know, we spent almost a year just building her rapport just getting to know each other and through that year I saw her confidence grow, I saw her ability to you know, turn up for meetings on time, uh, commit to this relationship with me. So I saw all of those changes but after a year uh, she had failed her 10th standard and uh, she was you know, really nervous and embarrassed about it and she got a job as a parking attendant at uh, Forum, at the Forum One. Uh, so we were kind of at that crossroads of what will she do next and I found out that she just left home. She didn't tell anybody, she just left home. There were some rumours that maybe there was a boyfriend involved but nobody really knows. So when I met her mother, she was completely distraught and uh, it had already been a week so it was not that, you know. We were very sure that she's gone and she's made some choice in her life. Uh, and at that time, it was just guilt and shame that why did she not tell me? Did I not create enough safety for her? Was there not enough trust? Uh, but then my mentors who actually trained me on how to be, you know, mentor and how to understand child psychology, they told me that because of her circumstances, it was potentially inevitable that she would run away from home. But at least in that one year that she spent with you, she learned how to build relationships, she built her confidence, she built her ability to make choices. And you can know that wherever she goes, those skills will you know, hold her, will make her stronger and uh, will be there for her. And that's when the big realization happened that when we do this work with children, we can't pre-decide what choices they make. 
we can't decide some choices are good, some choices are bad. Uh, and we definitely can't take it upon us that it, it's a reflection of us. It's really them and their life. And our role is to just support them no matter what they want to do. Uh, so that has been, you know, that realization has been very instrumental for me. One is, of course, making the change into the sector, but also what, how I see myself today as a leader as well. Uh, it's become a very ingrained part of me to realize that everybody who's either making the transition is in the social sector or in human dream. It's always just a journey and we can't judge or control the choices that people make. Our role as leaders, mentors, facilitators for young people is to just create an enabling environment uh, so that uh, we can discover who we are, what we want to do, what really is our choice uh, and then you know just be okay with it, to be non-judgmental and to be okay with it. So yeah. that's really changed me as a mentor and facilitator for young people but also significantly as a leader. Very interesting. So now, as the theory of change framework, you're saying that we have a certain control on the inputs and activities, but when it comes to the outcomes and the outputs, those are some things that, you know, there's so many factors that play into yeah. it. That's, you can only account, in your role, you can only account for the inputs and what you provide, the space you provide. Um, but to, true empowerment is to not judge any choice that young people make or anybody makes. Yeah. And from a philosophical perspective, it's that theory of karma, right? You do your karma and then yeah. fall is not in your hands. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So my next question to you, Sucheta, is who is Sucheta Bhatt in three words? Self-reflective, uh, creative and courageous. Yes, I know a bit about your art for Suvet Sucheta, so uh, that not uh, many may know about. So Sucheta is deeply into doodling and doing a variety of arts and crafts in the weekend. Yes. So yeah, I have personally seen some of them, so I can really attest to those. Thank you, thank you Smita. That's what keeps me sane of course, but also grounds me immensely. So it's almost, you know, a necessary uh, habit I have. To uh, do some art all the time. Meditation of sorts. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And Sucheta, who has influenced the most in your life? Uh, I guess there are many people. Uh, the first one that comes to mind, of course, is Vishal. He was, uh, he is the co-founder of Dream a Dream and he was the CEO when I came. Uh, and he was uh, my mentor, support system, as I was making the transition, trying to find my place uh, in the sector itself. Uh, we also uh, were in a relationship and we've been married now. So just by virtue of that, he's had a big influence. Uh, but today, in this context, I would say my the biggest influence has been Pavitra. She is part of the Dream a Dream team. And... Uh, she, I met her when I joined Dream Dream 12 years back. She was 17 or 18, I think. And she had been a young person in the program and she was working part-time with us because she had to support her family. Her father had suddenly abandoned uh, her mother and there were three sisters uh, because of a large debt. So she was then working part-time trying to pay off the debt while attending evening college and trying to keep the family together. And 
in these 12 years that I've known her, both as a young person in the program, transitioning into a full-time role at Dream a Dream, today she's an associate director, managing 50% of the team, uh, and you know, handling one of the most complex uh, direct impact programs we have. And there is a, some uh, kind of wisdom she's given me. Uh, one of it is, and again, in the, in, in the context of, you know, how you can't really predict the outcomes. And one of the biggest insights she's given me is that when I see her story and you think of stories of change and you say, oh, she's doing so well, but every time I talk to her, there's some challenge or the other she's continuing to face, right? There's something or the other, maybe a sister is having some trouble, maybe mother is going through some health issues, she has a son now. So there's always some or the other issue that's going on. And what she has made me realize is that when you are in spaces of adversity, when your background is vulnerable or you know, not fully stable, life never gets easier. You're constantly grappling with challenges, but it's your ability to face them. It's your ability to not give up. It's your own resilience. It's your own strength. That is what really makes the difference. Uh, so she has influenced me in a lot of ways in understanding again what are we? What is the change we're really making? Are we saying, okay, now these children have gone through my programs, they are set for life, and you know this is the story of change and happily ever after, or are we realizing that this is all a process, and we are building certain skills, but there's still so many systemic issues that children continue to face, especially if you're coming from marginalized backgrounds, if you belong to you know a lower socioeconomic background. You come from a marginalized gender identity, maybe you have a certain caste identity which continues to oppress you. So while children are grappling with all of these systemic issues, it's never a happy story till the system itself has changed. So again, your role is to develop their skills, to, to develop the ability, to develop their resilience to respond to it. Uh, but we must also account for how systems are just continuing to get more oppressive, they're continuing to create more barriers for young people and how do we frame our work in our understanding of that. Yeah, I've personally met uh, Pavitra and I've had the pleasure of meeting her but I never knew this is the backstory. She came across to me as a very calm and composed person and one could never tell. So thank you for sharing that um, Sujata. You mentioned about the systems uh, nowadays being, you know, more oppressive uh, to the, you know, the user base, uh, the young people that we're talking about. It's a great segue to kind of ask you this, uh, Sucheta. Where do you see the world headed, and what part do you uh, see yourself playing in that shift? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's a great segue, because this has been the realization of the last 12 years as again as me and as Dream and Dream, we have for the last 22 years now, Dream and Dream itself is 22 years old, we have uh, built the capacity to build agency in young people, to build their resilience, to build their ability to respond, solve problems, manage conflict. So we, we really know how to develop these life skills in young people at scale as well. We are working with five state partners today. <coughs> So that part, you know, we are clear and we know it can be scaled and we are very confident of the impact. But when we put it in the context of the world, that is the realization that Dream and Dream it also needs to play a part in how do you shift systems. 
to become more inclusive, to provide more dignity, to provide more equitable opportunities for young people. It just cannot be on them to change their lives and change their stories. Uh, but it's also how the system responds to that. So right now we're focusing a lot on how can we reimagine the purpose of education? Because that is really what one is, as a cliche goes, it's the ticket out of poverty. But more, that is why young people, we have 95, pre-pandemic, 95% enrollment in primary, at the primary grade level across India, which means all our young people are in school. They are, quote unquote, getting educated. So then what is that system doing in a way that we can really shift it, not just for a few young people, not just for those who are academically inclined, but for everybody. And especially when you consider that, you know, the, the level of adversity they are coming from, added with COVID and everything that they are facing, how does the education system respond uh, in a way that it takes all of us along, takes all the young people along who need it the most. So how does the education system become more equitable? How do we expand the definition of what success is? Can we look at it beyond just academic outcomes is the, is the reason to go to school or getting a job is the reason to get educated? But really expand it and say education is a way to change society, education is a way to help young people find opportunities about what they want to do. Uh, it's a chance for us to break caste-based, class-based barriers and give equal opportunities to everyone. Uh, so that's the direction that we are moving in and how we see that the world also today is talking a lot more about that, whether it's a Black Lives Matter in the US, uh, whether it's our own you know, conversation around politics in India, that how do you shift things fundamentally so that, um, how do you shift systems fundamentally so that people who are in disadvantaged backgrounds have more opportunities to thrive. Right. And it seems that what the system focuses on, which is numeracy and literacy largely, is not going to be enough, right? Yes. In an age where the machines are going to take over, what does it really mean to leverage our human skills yes. to really thrive? Absolutely. Which is the other dimension, right? One, one is the whole inequity and poverty and adversity that children are facing. Plus, like you're rightly saying, the future is so unpredictable, so complex. We don't know what skills we need. Uh, we don't know how, what jobs there will be. So from that lens also, is education truly serving the needs of young people today? Uh, considering the backgrounds they come from as well as the future they're entering. Yes. Yeah. So Jata, my last question to you is um, for you to talk to the audience who are listening to this. How can the listeners of this podcast look at education from a different lens and ask what's the purpose of education in today's world? Yeah, that's the thing about education. You would think we, at least what I discovered is we thought it was about young people, but we realized that education is really a reflection of society. Uh, what we expect from our education system, what we expect from our children when they go to school is all actually a reflection of us as people and who, what we uh, believe as success and what we incentivize and how, you know, what we think is important for everybody. So that would be my call to action that uh, it's not just about dreamer dreams work or it's not just about young people in adversity. It's that can all of us ask ourselves, whether you're a parent, aunt, uncle, if you just even know a young person in your neighborhood, that is the education system really serving them. Uh, uh, is it time to reimagine what the fundamental purpose is of education and looking at it just beyond getting a degree or just beyond getting a job, 
but a way to shift mindsets, a way to ensure that all young people thrive, that it is a chance for everybody to explore who they are, find their passions and build the skills to respond to the future, right? Really expand that out and ask more from our education system uh, and uh, hold yourself also to not fall back to comfortable measures of success of, you know, okay, 10 standard, what are your marks in the 10 standard, which degree are you doing? But really expand our own understanding of uh, possibilities and career options and personal choices that young people can make. Uh, and uh, yeah, just hold our education system to that standard. Yeah, so really looking at it from an unconventional lens yeah. and seeing what else is possible. Yeah. Like that little girl that Suchetra was and who was in this corporate job and thinking what else is out there, let me explore it. Exactly, and I had to wait uh, 30 years, right? It shouldn't be the case. Young people should, I mean, the whole purpose should be to go through school and education to discover who you are when you come out of it, not having to then spend another 15 years and then figure it out. So yeah, connecting it back to my story. Yeah, it's also true. Yeah, so uh, I, I feel like millennials are having this uh, sense of purpose more than the previous generation these days as to, you know, really thinking about what they want to do and what is really aligning with them. Yes. I think more than, uh, you know, yeah. the generation that came before, yeah. that's a welcome change. Yeah, and we have an opportunity to allow them, right, to create that to them, not to try and box them, but really support them in their ability to do that. So I think all of us have a role to play. And uh, yes, that would be my invitation. Great. Thank you so much for this conversation, Sucheta. I'm sure this is going to inspire many people uh, to look at the space of life skills for young people that uh, you know you are dedicated to. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Smita, for having me. Thank you. What were some of your revelations and aha moments in the conversation? For me, these three jumped out. First, life skills in people are not so common and just like learning other skills, these soft skills like self-management, cultivating relationships and decision-making can be acquired too. Second, it is essential to not build expectations from those we serve and know when to detach. And third, human life is an eternal work-in-progress story. Thank you for being here. This is your host Smita signing off. Until we meet next, do good and be good.